story about um, uh, two people that God is bringing together. If, if you're a young person tonight and you're looking forward to get married, this is really a great story. Um, we see that uh, Isaac gets a wife, but he doesn't go beating the bushes and he doesn't go on on, uh, you know, harmony.com, eHarmony.com, and he doesn't do any of those things. He actually uh, is waiting on his father and, and the Lord to provide, uh, and, and really is, that's the best way. But there's a couple of different applications tonight as we get into the Word. It's not only about finding a godly wife, which is what I entitled the session, because that's really, in, in, in general, what this study is, but it's about God's will. Have you ever questioned God's will? How do you know God's will? Do you flip a coin? Do you uh, read the, the uh, 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 fortune cookie, thank you, at, at the Chinese restaurant? And by the way, when we do that, because we, we have a favorite uh, our Thai restaurant we love to eat at, we ate there tonight actually, they give you a fortune cookie and we always add, add these two words at the end and it's just a whole bunch in church. So read your cookie whatever it is in, in church, like you're having, going to have a fabulous day and, and everybody's going to love you and then you add in church at the end of it. So it's, it's just a lot, a lot of fun reading those things. But, but some people actually put credence in, they say luck or they carry a, you know, a, a horseshoe over their door or whatever they do. You know, people have the, the darndest ways to think about God's providence. So we're going to see God's providence in the text tonight as well. So with your Bibles open, let's ask God's blessing on his word tonight. Father, we are so grateful that we have an opportunity to come in the name of your son and study the word. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us from this lengthy text. Lord, this story is included in our Bibles because you want us to see all of it here. And I pray, Lord, that we as, as your children would look at, at the length of the text and, uh, and zone out. I, I pray that you'd help us engage. Help us to be here now, Lord, as we study your word. We'll give you thanks and praise. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Finding a godly wife for Isaac in this ancient culture, a little bit different than our, our time in which we live. I have a little story I want to open with. It's about an airline stewardess. She enjoyed her job, and she took a week's vacation in the Rockies. And when she got there, she just enjoyed the blue sky and the, the cool, crisp air, the, the pines, the smell of all the trees in the area. But she met an eligible bachelor that owned a cattle ranch, and he lived in a log cabin. And after a week, they fell in love. The rich, young bachelor proposed, and she was just kind of taken off her feet there, Mr. Wonderful. And so she said to him, you know, I, I just can't say yes. It's just happening too quickly. So she went home and she goes, I, I need a week or two. So she went back to work and she's flying around on the, the airplane doing her job. And she's thinking about guidance. She, I, I need some guidance. She's looking, looking for some kind of guidance. When she was flying that day, she, she was flustered with her work and thinking about what had happened the week before. And so she went to the, the restroom on the aircraft and, and just to kind of splash water on her face and kind of set her mind in the right place. And just then the airplane hit a pocket of, of air and it, it just bounced really hard. And immediately in the, inside the restroom, it said, please return to the cabin. <laughs> and she returned to the cabin because she saw that as... Now, this story is way different than that. I think some Christians, not all, but we, we see things randomly and, oh, I, that must be the Lord. You know, that, that must, and I actually hear Christians say that. But in this story, we're going to see some really interesting things about the life of Abraham his servant, which isn't named, but I believe it's Eliezer. We've seen him already in our story as we've studied these chapters the last several months. And his prayer and his trusting, and they're all walking by faith, and they're all believing the Lord's going to do it, but they're moving. They're, they're stepping forward. They're not just static. They're not just, Lord, you've got to do this for me, so I'm going to sit here until you make it happen. They're moving. They're in, they're, they're in action here, and that's what the story uh, portrays. So beginning with these first couple of verses, my first point is we find a servant commissioned. A servant commissioned, notice in verse 1. Abraham was old, 
well advanced in age. Remember in our last story last week, his wife died, Sarah died, and they, he finally bought property in the land and, and for a place to bury her. So now he's well advanced in age, and the Lord has blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country, to my family, and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to the land. I mean, I'll go there, but what, what if she doesn't follow me? Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Shouldn't I bring him along? Shouldn't the women be able to check him out and look at him? That's what he's saying. But Abraham said, verse 6, beware that you do not take my son back there. Now, again, Sarah by this time has been dead for about three years. Abraham's about 140 years old at this point in time. And he's, he's setting up his life at this point in time because he knows he's going to pass. He's, he's not going to be living very much longer. Uh, he, it's, I like what it says here in verse 1. He was well advanced in age. That's a nice way to say he's an old man. And uh, just, just kind of a gentle way. 140 years old. So he's making preparations now for his death. And Isaac is possibly... You know, he's, he's an older man now. He's, he's a, a young adult, late 20s, early 30s, and he needs to get married. That's, that's really what uh, he's looking forward to. And so Abraham's looking forward to that. Uh, Isaac marries, <coughs> um, uh, uh, Abraham's uh, really concerned about who he marries here in the story. That's what is shared because he knows the promise that God has made him, that God is going to give him a huge family, progeny. He's going to have descendants that number the stars of the heaven. So he's really concerned about before he dies that his son gets married so he knows and he can just die and he can relax. And, and that's, that's what he's concerned about here. So Isaac needs a wife. But the women in Canaan were not godly women. They're they're very ungodly women, and, and Abraham knows it. Now, Abraham, as you remember, we've watched him stumble and bumble and fail in his life, but he's finally grown to a place where he's, he loves the Lord. He obeys the Lord in every way. Remember, we saw that a couple chapters earlier when he took his own son to Mount Moriah to be sacrificed. He's willing to give it all to the Lord. He, he's proven himself in that regard. So now he looks around and he sees the women in Canaan. And he says, absolutely. They, he, he can't get a wife from this area. It's got to be someone that's more godly. Now, this kind of puts the thought in our minds that that. His family must have known God. We're going to see that they're more godly than others. And they must have known God. And so he was taken out of that family. There's still a pagan family. His father was a pagan as well. But he believes that they're the, the, the people, that are, the women that can be chosen from in Ur of the Chaldees have more uh, godliness in them than the Canaanites. That's what he's saying. Now, Abraham remembered the, uh, the, the uh, covenant that God had given him back in Genesis 18. I want to share that with you again. For I have known him, it says, in order that we may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. And so this is why Abraham takes this responsibility of finding a wife for his son so Seriously, Abraham is going to choose here. Look at verse 2. The, the oldest of his servants of his house who rolled, ruled over everything that he had. Abraham's old. He's frail. He's got this guy that's, that's been watching over his house for many, many years. He's, he's described here as an old servant. And I believe that's Eliezer of Damascus. We see him in Genesis 15, verse 2. And so you can look at that and cross-reference that. But I believe it's Eliezer here. That's his servant. He's older, and he's commissioning this older man to go back. Maybe he thinks he has wisdom. He's old enough. Maybe we're not really sure exactly, but he, he sends his, his servant, Eliezer, back to find a wife. But he gives two stipulations. Number one, the wife must not be a Canaanite. 
And number two, Isaac must not, under any circumstances, go back to Ur. And we're not sure why that is. Maybe uh, Abraham's afraid his son will stay there. We're not really sure. But he doesn't want his son to go back to Ur of the Chaldees. The point is obvious here in this, that even though Abram lived there among the Canaanites, he understood that there needed to be separation in terms of the the way that the people were living. He had to keep his people um, separate from the Canaanites because of their idolatry, because of their their, uh, pagan rituals and rites. He he wanted to keep his family pure, and so he, he doesn't want his son Isaac, to marry anyone, uh, any one of the Canaanites. So Isaac, Isaac now is going to get a wife, and his dad, Abraham, is going to work it all out, but he's not allowed to go back to Ur. Now, notice here in verse 7, the condition. There's a condition here, and it's explained in verse 7. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying to your descendants, I give this land, he will send his angel before you. So Abram's explaining to Eliezer, he's saying, listen, God has promised me this, and he told me I'm going to have descendants, and so you just need to walk by faith like I'm walking by faith as well. So you just trust the Lord. And so he gives this explanation there to Eliezer, First, because God revealed it to him. God said, I'm going to have a huge family. I know it's going to happen. So we we need to trust the Lord. We need to step out in faith. And so Abraham is obviously walking in faith. God has promised him this land. So he's sending his servant there to Ur to find a wife. And I believe that Abraham, again, he's learned. This is what makes him the father of faith, of our faith the Jewish people and, and of the Christian faith. He's, he's really the father because he exemplifies a person that's taken out of the world, stumbles along for most of his life, just as we do, and then, and then finally puts his total trust and faith in the Lord, and he, he's known as the father of faith. So he's walking by faith. He believed that God would give him the guidance Uh, to his servant, and they would find, through this angel, they would find that God would provide some way. It's an angel, verse 7, would prepare this way. So he's not presuming. He has revelation. This is really important for you as a believer to understand, that God gives us revelation, and there's only one way we get it. We don't get it through a priest or a father or a pastor. We don't get it from an elder or a Sunday school teacher Where does the Christian go to get all his information and direction? Where? The Bible. We have been given this incredible book, inspired by God, standing the test of time. In fact, this Tuesday night, uh, next Tuesday night when I start the class, we we start with bibliology. We're going to look at that and how the Bible came to us and how it stood the test of time more than any other document. God speaks through the Bible. It's inspired by him. And you and I can get revelation and understand the will of God by looking at the Bible. We don't have to flip coins. We don't have to read the, the, um, the I keep forgetting the name of this, the fortune cookie, thank you. We don't have to look, you know, we have to do those things. We, we have the Bible. So Christian, understand that. God has revealed it. Just like he revealed to Abraham, he reveals to you his truth so you don't have to uh, guess. You, you can just walk by faith and trust in the Lord. So although Abraham is acting on faith that God's going to lead, he, he also allows this area of, of God is sovereign and God's going to do what he does. So he doesn't box the Lord in. He doesn't say that, God, you've got to do this way, and this is the only way I'm going to accept it. I'm, I was raised in this denomination. This is how I believe. I'm a, no. He just says, you know what? God revealed this to me. That settles it. I'm just going to wait and trust in the Lord. So there's a lot that we can learn from this man. Look at verse 8. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back to Ur. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning the matter. 
Now, this hand under the thigh is really strange. Uh, We see it again in Genesis 47. Let me show you behind me on the screen. When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now, if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on here. It's some kind of ancient custom. Maybe, Maybe because these guys are so old, both of them are very old. They put their hand under the thigh and help them stand up so they can make the oath. We don't know. But there's something there, and we see it a couple of different times, but they're making a, this oath between the two of them by putting their hand under their thigh there. It's, it's a genuine act. It's a solemn oath, and it's taken very seriously by these ancient people. So we just have to kind of leave it there. Next here in verse 10, we see the prayerful search. I love this. Then the servant, this is Eliezer, he took 10 of his master's camels and took off on this long trip for all the master's goods were in his hands. So he's got a, he's got a caravan. You've seen caravans and pictures of caravans going through the desert. So there's 10 camels and they're filled with supplies. They're going to take this long journey uh, down to Ur of the Chaldees. And he made his camels... It's, uh, or he, he arose and he went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Now he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at the evening. So when he gets there, you know, days, weeks later he gets there, he goes at, in the evening time when the women came out to draw water. And he gets his camels to kneel down. I had this picture I was going to bring. Uh, when you go to Israel, you know, you get a chance to sit on a camel. I don't know. We, you can sit on a camel, I think, in America someplace. But they're big beasts. They're so huge. And Esther and I got on one together. We took, took a camel ride together. And, and uh, I think, Philip, did you take a camel ride? Yeah, he took one too. It's just fun. You know, they, but they're really smelly animals, and they grunt. And it's, they're kind of scary. But they kneel down, and you get on them. And then when they're getting up, you feel like you're going to fall off. They, and then they just walk and lumber, and their body goes back and forth. I can't imagine taking a week-long trip on a camel. But these camels, here's one interesting thing. You, can, you know, camels, they can go for days and weeks without water. But when they get to a water source, what do they do? They need to drink. And that's what's happening here in the story. Very interesting. Eliezer brings the animals in at this time when all the women would come down for water, makes the camels kneel down because they, they, they need to drink. So they're not at the well. The, the people are at the well. So the animals are back away, which would be very sanitary, right? And then he said... Here, um, oh, verse 12, oh, Lord, God, my master, Abraham. So the camels are kneeling, and Eliezer is praying. Please give me success this day and show kindness to my master, Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I might drink, And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now, I love the fact that we get to this place, and Eliezer has gone out in obedience to Abraham, and he's taken these camels, and he's on his search for this wife for Isaac, for his master, And they come to this water well at the end of the day, and and he's waiting. He's just waiting. He's sitting there, and and he's got, this is what he's going to listen for. Lord, this is what I'm going to listen for. Whether the Holy Spirit put that in his heart, which I, I would more believe that, or he's laying out a fleece. It was his own idea. We don't know. But we do know that God is sovereignly working, that God is providentially working, he, like he always does. So we, there, you can speculate on, on how that happened. I believe the Holy Spirit's working. I believe God is working in the background throughout this whole story. So it very could easily have been the Holy Spirit that put that in his heart. And then he's praying. I love that. Give me success this day. He was expecting God to answer his need. When we ask for something from the Lord, we are to ask with that same expectation. Lord, I have a need. And we need to believe that our God can provide anything for his child. We need to believe that. When you come to the Lord, you need to ask by faith. 
without wavering, it says in the book of James. Don't, don't waver. Trust in the Lord. Put your faith in him. Let him provide for you. And that's what he's doing here. He's coming before the Lord. He says, I'm going to look for these signs, but I'm just going to trust in you. So kind sh- or show kindness now to my master. So we learn from this that we too are to step out in faith, that we're to wait on God to provide an answer. In this case, he, he lays out this fleece before the Lord to, to wait to hear. But Eliezer didn't necessarily in this hear a voice. I believe that possibly the Holy Spirit put that in his heart. There, there was no miracle. There wasn't a lightning bolt that split the sky, you know, to, to tell him something special. How did he know what God's will was in this situation? You know, he, he doesn't know, but, but we could say that, number one, he expected to hear from the Lord. He expected God to guide him. He, he remained submissive. Lord, not my will, but thy be done. And whatever you want to do here, Lord... And then he knew what he was looking for. He's looking for a young woman to marry Isaac. So he's got some idea, but he's going to wait on the Lord here. And here's my next point. Notice how God works providentially. A great word, word of the week, the year, whatever. This is a word that as Christians, we need to live in this, this realm. Believing that God is working supernaturally around any situation to bring about his sovereign will in our lives, in the lives of his people, in the lives of the disobedient people. God works providentially, sovereignly. But notice here here in verse 15, and it happened before he had finished speaking, that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother. She came out with her picture of of water on her shoulders. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold. She was a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and then she came up again. So this is kind of interesting. Eliezer just started praying about this. He just started praying. And before he finishes his prayer, God answers his prayer. Again, what we're seeing here is God working, and I believe the Holy Spirit in writing down this text for us is to help us to understand that as we pray, God's working. And, and as we pray, God puts in our heart things to pray for. When you're praying, you might have a list, and that's a good thing, but God, as you're praying, will also give you things to pray for. And he'll align your will with his through prayer. Prayer is, is not getting my will done on earth. Prayer is getting his will done on earth, Right? So as you pray, God, I believe, works through you. And as you ask for things by faith, trusting the Lord, God will also give you, and he'll change your prayer. I I don't know if you've noticed that. I I notice that a lot. As I grow older and as I pray longer, I notice that God is answering my prayer, but he's giving me these other things to pray for. And then when I finish my prayer, I say, wow, I prayed for all these different things. And And Lord was leading and guiding my prayer. But before Eliezer finished speaking here, it says that in verse 15, it happened before he had finished speaking. And there she was, Rebecca, boom, she shows up on the scene. And she's got her, the water pitcher on her shoulder. And this is the Holy Spirit speaking. He added these words in verse 16, that she was beautiful and a virgin. No man had known her. So, so again, it's wonderful that God answers his prayer before he ends his prayer. God knows what you need before you ask. Jesus said, notice here in Matthew, and when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask of him. He knows what you need before, notice that, you ask of him. That's, that's the key there. Uh, some of you may have come from Roman Catholicism. There's a lot of repetitive prayer in Roman Catholicism. I'm not putting it down. I'm just, I know that's to be true because I have a lot of Roman Catholic friends. And Jesus is saying, don't just pray because you think it's going to be answered because you say it again and again and again and again and again. That's not what, what it's about. Don't be like them, Jesus says, because your father knows what you need. He just wants you to ask, and you're to ask 
in faith here. I love that about God, don't you? God's working before we even know it, and we're praying, and he's answering the prayer. And we need to be men and women of prayer. So notice verse 17, and the servant ran to meet her. So he's excited. Eliezer, he notices right away. Now, he's an old guy. So I, I find this funny. He says he ran over to meet her. So we don't know how old he is, but, but I think he's an older man. So he runs, and maybe he's got a cane. Who knows? Uh, but let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, well, drink, my Lord. She shows kindness to him. And then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And after he had finished giving, or after she had finished giving him a drink, she said, um, I'll draw water for your camels also until I, they finish drinking. I mean, how about that? I'll, I'll, I, she, maybe, she, maybe she saw that this guy is old. He's trying to run over there, and it's like, ah, ah. You know, he gets, and she's thinking, I need to help this guy. You're going to have a heart attack right here. But, but however it, it worked out, she is, is generous. She's thoughtful. She's kind. She's beautiful. And his mind and his heart is starting to go, this is the one, this is the one. I get. You can almost imagine it here. She emptied her pitcher into the trough, verse 20. She ran back to the well to draw water. So she's in a hurry. She drew for all 10 camels. And the man, wondering at her, he's like, I can't believe this. Look at her go. She goes, I mean, I love this story. She's, he remained silent as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. He's thinking, this, is, this has got to be the one. Now, it would have been customary in this time to give a stranger a drink. Come to the water hole. The whole community got their water every evening. And somebody news in town, they don't have a, 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 a jug or something to, to get a drink with. And they would need someone to help them. And so this would have been normal for this culture. But to draw water for 10 camels, when one camel can drink like 20 gallons of water, I mean, think about it. She would have had to run back and forth and back and forth for every animal just to get them enough water to drink. She kept dumping water in the trough, and they drink it, and she dumped more water in the trough. 10 camels, and they're very thirsty, and they're drinking this water. And She's a, just a very servant-minded woman. She's got a heart to serve here. Rebecca, she worked hard. Eliezer, he's, he's, he's silent. It's, I think his jaw is dropping. It's like God is answering prayer. This is awesome, you know, and, and she's running back and forth to do that. Notice verse 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring, weighing half a shekel, and two bracelets for her wrists. So he gives her a nose ring. I mean, when was the last time, ladies, some man you didn't know, some old codger came up and gave you a golden nose ring to put in your nose? I mean, kind of strange. Or bracelet. I mean, this is kind of strange, but that's what he does. He, he takes it out. He is convinced now, obviously, that she's the one. So he gives her this gift, this expensive gift. And he said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for me to stay the night? He kind of invites himself to stay there. So she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel. Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feet enough to room and to lodge your ten camels. We have plenty of room in our home. So this gift that he gives her, this golden nose ring again, and two bracelets for her wrist, uh, nose rings and piercings. Again, sometimes we think that's you know, kind of modern in our culture. <laughs> I mean, this is like 4,000 years old, folks. So you think you're really modern with your nose ring or your belly button thing? And I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, they, they had those things already. This was very common for them. But more importantly, this is a gesture from Eliezer to Rebecca that there's more to come. He's got her attention now. And now she wants to bring him back to her father's home. And that's, that's the key here. Eliezer knows that Rebecca is the right woman now. She's the daughter of Bethuel. That's, that's what he was looking for. He's looking for Abraham's family here, and he runs smack dab into uh, Abraham's brother's um, daughter. 
So she's beautiful, it says. She's maintained her sexual purity. She's a virgin, the scripture said. So these things would have been essential. These would have been part of his list of things he's looking for, for a mate for Isaac. So now he's satisfied. And I love what he does here. Look at verse 26. Then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful thing? He first prays. He's trusting the Lord. He's a faithful man. But now he sees that God is working sovereignly, and now he's like, oh, thank God. He's so happy here. And he said, verse 27, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household all of these things. Now, there's some application I kind of want to make uh, in the story here. This, this whole story is about trusting the Lord. Abraham, Eliezer, they're walking by faith. They're stepping out in faith, and they're just trusting the Lord. They're both praying, and, but they're both acting. They're not just sitting. They're active here. It's, he says there in verse 27, the end of verse 27, as for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So this is an important uh, lesson for us to learn as we trust the Lord by faith. We need to be moving. We need to be active. We, we shouldn't just pray and then just sit back and wait. We just need to keep on serving the Lord. If God doesn't answer your request uh, if you're single here tonight, if you're young and single and God hasn't answered your request, just keep serving the Lord. You, you want to be serving the Lord because that's what's going to attract another servant of the Lord. You don't want to be in a place that, that is not serving the Lord to attract a mate because then you get something that, that might be like, like we've heard, you know, you beat something out of the bush, you know. Um, if you're beating the bushes for a husband, you'll find something beat. Out of, the, out of the bush, but uh, trusting the Lord, living life by faith. We're learning here. Someone said it's, it's, you, it, it's almost impossible to steer a parked car. You need to get moving. Serve the Lord. And as you're moving, as you're active, like these men were, and God answers their prayer. They're, they're walking by faith. They're living by faith. They didn't just stop. And all through the Bible, I'm going to give you some examples here. Throughout the Bible, we see faithful men and women, but faithful men discerning God's will in a different way. And Abraham had heard God speak. He actually heard God's voice audibly. But I have this one example here where he in a vision, notice in a vision, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, don't be afraid, Abraham, I am the sh your shield and great reward. So there's different ways in the Bible that we see people hearing, so they're, enabled to, so they're pardon me, able to discern the will of the Lord. In Acts chapter 1, the 11 disciples, remember, Judas had killed himself. There were only 11, and they wanted 12. And uh, so what did they do? The Bible says they drew lots. This is another way to discern God's will. Notice the scripture here. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Gideon in the Old Testament, we're all familiar with the fleece that Gideon put before the Lord. It's like, Lord, it's very dry. It hasn't rained in a long time, but if the fleece gets wet, Notice here, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece only, and it's dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. So the different people in the scriptures had done these different things to discern the will of God. Moses. Moses was given these miraculous powers with his staff, as you recall. He had all these interesting things, Exodus chapter 4. So here's the question. How does God reveal his will to you and I today? How does he reveal his will to us? How does God do that? The, the faithful men that I just gave you examples of, they didn't have the word of God. You have the word of God. They didn't have it. You have a complete Bible. You have history of the early church. You have letters from eyewitnesses of Messiah, Jesus. You, you have that. And so this is our primary way. These guys didn't have it, so they used these lots, 
fleeces, other things. I hear about Christians today doing a fleece before the Lord. And I'm always scratching my head saying, why don't you just read the Bible? I mean, the Bible has, and pray. So for you and I as Christians, this is what I'm saying. Don't do the fleece thing. Don't crack the, the, uh, uh, the fortune cookie. I don't know why I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of it. Don't crack the fortune cookie to find the will of God. It's the Bible that we've been given. And the Holy Spirit who leads and guides us. I love this verse here in John 16. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in us as believers. So we have the word of God on the outside. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside. And those two are greater than me. So I, I'm not going to let the word of God speak. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak. That's how God will lead you. And that's how God will guide you. So just don't, Christian, don't set up a fleece and don't, you know, say, well, God, if you do this and I know it's right. These are all fake signs. There's a lot of fake news out there. There's fake signs. Christians fall for those things all the time. They say this, they'll be driving in a car and it's like they're, they're on their way somewhere and they got to get there in a hurry. And Lord, if you keep these lights green, I'll get there and I know that you're in this. Really? I mean, You'll be in a lot of trouble if you, you know, you might have a red light behind you. But how about this? And Lord, if you really want me to pray for that person at church, just make me run into them at Walmart. Why not just pray for them at church? You know, but we do this sometimes, don't we? In our mind, we go, you know, if this is this way and this is that, why don't, why don't we just take the Bible and pray over it and trust and walk out by faith? Trust the Lord. That's what we're learning in this. Now, let's go back to Genesis 24 and verse 29 here. The family now meets Eleazar. Now, Rebekah, verse 29, had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring. So the, his sister didn't have a nose ring before. So he's, this is the whole thing. Now he sees this big nose, gold nose ring. I don't know how big it was, but he saw it. And so it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on her wrist, he heard the words of his sister, Rebecca. She's excited and started telling all this. Thus the man spoke to me, and he went to the man, and, and there he stood by the camels at the well. And Laban says, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? This man that lived in Ur, family of Abraham, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels and provided straw for the feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And so Laban and the family said, speak on. So now you have to put yourself in Rebecca's family's place for just a moment. You have to kind of understand where they're coming from. They haven't heard the whole story. And here's this dude that shows up and gives a gold ring to my sister and bracelets on her wrist. And he's told us this real quick story as we're walking back to the house. But now we want to get the whole story here. And that's what we see in verse 34 through 39. It's the whole story reviewed. I'm not going to go into that. Um, it's the same story we just read. You can read that on your own just for, for time's sake. So we're going to pick up the story in verse 50. And my next point here, the family gives her away. So he tells the story. He tells it in depth. And they're all excited now. And here's the family's response, verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We can't speak to you either good or bad. We have nothing to say here. God is working. God has done all of this. We, we believe your story. We believe everything that you're saying. Here, it's like, notice verse 51. Here is Rebecca before you. Like, here, take her. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. So this is the second time he's thanking God. And he's just, oh, God, you're so good. Look how perfectly this worked out. This is just beyond what I could have imagined. Your sovereign plan, your, the smooth transition, everything that's worked just so perfectly. Verse 53, then the servant brought out jewelry of silver and jewelry of gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. 
He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. So the camels that that had come not only brought supplies, but they brought some riches as well. And they're going to leave these riches with the family. He gave precious things to her brother and mother. Verse 54, and he and the men who were with him ate and they drank and they stayed all night. Then they rose in the morning and he said, send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few more days, at least 10. After that, she can go. And he said to them, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. So we want her to stay for 10 days, but, and you want to leave right now. So let's ask her. Let's get, get her. Then they called Rebecca and they said, will you go with this man like, like right now? And she said, I will go. Now, those words from Rebecca are words of faith. Those words from the family members, you know, they, they're not going to argue with the Lord. We, the Lord's in this. These are words of faith. I, I love that whole idea that God is confirming this whole story, that God is guiding these people. You can't deny that as you read the story. God is, he's, he's already guided the prayers, and he's guided Rebecca to the right place, the right time, the camels, the water, the, the family. All of this God is working providentially, sovereignly. Listen, if you've got a problem tonight, God knows about it. If you have a difficulty or an unanswered prayer, God knows all about it. And in his time, he's going to answer that prayer. In his time, he's going he's gonna to work it all out. We just need to walk by faith. And we need to keep our eyes on the Lord, not sulking, not bitter, not, God, you haven't answered my prayer, so I'm just going to, I'm going to hold my breath, you know, like a little baby, a little child. No, you need to be active, and you need to be serving the Lord, and in God's perfect time, he'll provide a wife, in God's perfect time, he'll provide a job, in God's perfect time, he'll provide the need that you're praying over, the salvation of a loved one. God has a perfect time for all those things. We just need to just love the Lord and serve the Lord and be active and in, in just in engaged in doing ministry and help and loving the body and being a participant in, in God's church. I believe that's so important. And then let the Lord answer the way he will answer. And notice here that her family is going to bless her now in verse 59. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. So they all go together. So they were going to, 10 days? No, it's not 10 days. They're all going to leave together. And they blessed Rebekah, verse 60, and said to her, our sister, may you become, notice the blessing they give her, the mother of thousands of ten thousands. Now, that was revealed by Eliezer when he went to the house over dinner. He's telling the story, that, that section that I didn't read. He's telling him this whole story, and I'm sure he's revealing much more than what the, the text reveals to us. And he says, listen, God made this covenant with my master. And, and he told him that his descendants would be like the stars in the heavens. And the family's like going, whoa. And now they're blessing. And they bless Rebecca and they say that you might be the mother of thousands of ten thousands. And that your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebecca, verse 61, and her maids arose and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. Now this blessing reveals that Bethuel, Abraham's brother in his home, they, they had some, there's some faith there. We don't know, it's not revealed how much was there. But he had some faith and they, they mentioned the Lord and they mentioned the blessing and I believe, again, this is just confirming that God's hand was in the family, that God's hand was steering, that God's hand was guiding. It's undeniable, but it's a beautiful truth, isn't it? I mean, if you're doubting tonight that God is providing and working and has an answer and solution for your problem, if you're doubting, don't doubt anymore. Look at this story and see how beautifully it lays out and see how God is working in the background providentially. And then here we have at the end, Rebecca meets Isaac here, verse 62. Now Isaac, he came from the way of Beer Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate. Notice what he's doing. He's praying or meditating in the field in the evening. 
And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw some camels coming. Now, this is the first time that Isaac has mentioned since we last saw him laying on the altar. Remember, he was laying on the altar, and he asked his dad where the sacrifice was. Dad, where's the sacrifice? And remember, Abraham said, God will provide. This is the first time that we've heard him speak, and I believe that he's learned so much. He's grown in his faith. He loves his father, and he loves his father's God. So this reference here that he's meditating in the field there in verse 63, he's praying. Maybe he's singing. We, we, we don't know. But he's, he's, he's got his mind and heart on the Lord. He's probably, he's probably listen, he's probably, Lord, I, I just pray that you would provide. I pray she'd really beautiful, Lord. Lord, I pray that my wife would be, would be kind-hearted. Lord, I, I just pray. And I, he's praying because he's, he's going to get a wife. He knows he's going to get a wife. He's, he believes Eliezer's going to come back. And, and he opens his eyes as he's praying, and he sees the camels returning here. They're, they're all coming back again. And I, I believe he's excited to know how God's going to answer his prayer. So look at verse 64. Then Rebecca, she lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac... She dismounted from the camel, for she had said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? She's expecting to meet her future husband. And so she sees in a distance this guy walking toward her. Is this, are we getting close? Is this the guy? So she took a veil and she covered herself. And the servant told Isaac, all the things that he had done. So, so Eliezer gets out there and he embraces Isaac. You wouldn't believe what God's done. This, is just, this story is amazing and God is so truth and so faithful. And look what God has done. He's, he's all excited. He's telling him the story. I, I, again, I, I see that as we, we look at this. He, he brought, it says, then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Now, what a beautiful story here. She sees her future husband, and she doesn't get off the animal and run. That would have been disrespectful. But she covers her face with a veil. This would have been very common. It's a very cultural thing that she's doing here. It's, a, it's kind of a move of modesty, uh, she's showing submission to this man, uh, and this is a beautiful act that she does, and she's ready to meet her bridegroom in this story. Now, here's the, the conclusion. Isaac marries Rebekah. They have two children, and we're going to see them, Jacob and Esau. Jacob' name is changed to Israel, and it's through Jacob that we have God's plan of redemption revealed. Now, you can, re, you can apply this story in a couple of different ways. How do I find a wife? So you can, you can apply it that way. How do you find a godly wife? Well, you wait for the Lord. You pray and you serve and you do what you do to live a holy life, to be like Rebecca was. She was kind. She was hardworking. She was a virgin. I think all those things are important. And you just focus on those things and let the Lord bring providentially who he will into your life. You'll be so much more happy, ladies, men, if you'll wait on the Lord. So that's one way that you can apply this story. I, I love this. Um, Abraham believed that God would provide a wife for Isaac. He, he's walking by faith. This is another way that you can apply this story, that these men are walking by faith. They're trusting in the Lord. Eliezer, he's praying, right? He's praying. Then he's thanking the Lord two, two different times. He gets on his knees and he says, oh Lord, thank you for all that you've done. And Isaac, Isaac, we find him praying, right? He's meditating when the, when the caravan comes back into town. So you see these people praying. They're trusting. They're waiting on the Lord. There's no coincidence. There's no fortune cookie. There's no luck involved. For the believer, we need to understand that. That God is working providentially. As we walk by faith, as we are in prayer, God will answer the needs of his people. God worked everything out. He planned it all out. He worked it out providentially. And Eliezer was very careful to tell Rebecca and her family this whole story. And 
And he revealed it all to them. And they come away with, uh, even losing their daughter, they're people of faith. I think their faith was encouraged by this whole story. So here, this story teaches us that when you walk by faith, either for a wife or for some big decision in your life, you have to walk by faith and you have to trust the Lord and believe that God is quietly working behind the scenes. That's how we live our life of faith, Christians. God does not reveal everything that's going to happen to you tomorrow. None of you know what's going to happen tomorrow. Wouldn't wouldn't you agree with that? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Someone in this congregation might be in a, a horrible car accident. Someone in this congregation might inherit some money from their parents. Who knows? I, you, you never know what's going to happen. Someone in this fellowship might meet Mr. Wright tomorrow. I mean, that's pretty cool thoughts, huh, huh, ladies? That maybe God will bring that right person into your life, or men. I mean, God can do those things. God is all about those things, and he wants to make beautiful your Life. I believe that totally. So there's lots of ways you can apply this beautiful story. Now, next week we're going to end our adventures with Abraham. We're going to end next week and with these two boys. So uh, we're, we're almost done with Abraham. Abraham's going to die next week and his family's going to go on and then we'll move into a, a different section of Genesis. We're going to keep, though, marching through the book and learning all that God has for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. I'm so grateful, Lord, that, that you have our lives in your capable hands. And Father, I pray for any here tonight that haven't released things by faith, that they're holding on and they're, they're, they're not able to fully give them to you to do what you will. Father, forgive us for holding tightly. Forgive us for our conniving and and, um, manipulative ways, Lord, when we as your children need to know that you'll give us good things. So, Lord, I I just pray for any here that that might be struggling with that. Lord, bless them. Help them just to, to give it to you. Lord, there's things even that I hold in my heart that I just need to release to you tonight. Lord, I, I do that now. Just take those things. Take those things, Lord, from my life, from our lives, from our church even, that we hold on to. Because, Lord, you're working and, and you have a plan and you have a purpose and you have a goal. Lord, that we would not argue or, or connive or manipulate, that we would just trust in you and walk by faith and give you thanks and praise for You are good, O Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.